Let's go to um, Psalms 17 and Psalms 18. We're going to look at these. Go, go hand in hand with this morning's message. I want to talk to you about when you pass through difficult times, how do you do it? And also on the other side of it, how to stay on the winning side. Um, I don't know if you ever had the privilege of coaching a team that was really good or really bad, but sometimes it's hard to stay positive when you're getting trounced and you're just getting beat down every time you play. But you know what? We can be on the winning side if we just follow what, what, what the Lord has for us. In fact, these two, ver these two chapters, and we're going to read the first three in Psalm 117. These first, these, both these chapters, I'm Psalm 17. Did I say 117? Psalm 17 and 18. These first, three ver these first two chapters that we're looking at are Psalms of David. And in fact, if you look at Psalm 18, I don't know if your Bible has a thing that's written before the first verse. It's actually when he's been delivered from the hand of Saul and some of his enemies. And in, in chapter 17 is the time when he is actually being pursued by Saul. So it's almost here he's being pursued in 17 and 18 that the, the pursuit is over. And he talks about the winning side. So in chapter 18, we're going to look at the winning side. In chapter 17, we're going to look at how to pass through difficult times because we're all going to have them. And so let's go ahead and stand. We'll read Psalm 17. And we're going to read 1 through 3. And I'm going to give you, uh, there's actually eight points. There's five of the first one, three to the next one. And I, and I want you to see these. It says, David's writing, and he says, Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. Let my, let my sentence come forth from the presence. Let mine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. All right, let's pray. Um, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, may we understand we're going to have difficult times. Everybody in this room is going to have difficult times. We've got to pass through those and learn what we need to. And there's five aspects that, that as I was studying this, that we can get and we just need to apply it in our lives. And then on the winning side, we need to stay on that winning side and, and get these three things to stay on. And some of them are very simplistic. They're so simpl simple with this. But Lord, let us get these and apply them in our lives. And Lord, will you help us get through those bad times? Will you help us stay on the winning side. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to look. We're going to get right into it. As again, Saul is chasing David, and he writes Psalm 17, and he starts talking about it. And, and he gives you five basic, basic principles that he does to stay out of, the, to get out of this difficult time. And there's some principles with it. And I want you to see this. The first one we read in verse number three. Go to the very end of verse number three, and it's a very simple application. When you go through a difficult time, you know what you need to do? Guard your mouth. When people go through bad, bad times or, or someone's done something to them, they'll say something, and then they can't ever take that back. How many times have you ever said, I'm sorry to somebody, and you really meant it, but they still remembered what you said? The first principle of a difficult time is keep your mouth quiet. Guard your mouth. God will tell you when to speak and when not to speak. Look at that verse number three. It says, Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me and shalt, and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. He's saying, listen, I am not going to say the things that I want to say. How many of you ever wanted to say something and you knew it wasn't right to say? Everybody in this room, if you're, if you're a person, you have a heartbeat, you should be saying, yeah, I've done that before. You I mean, I've had people come up and, Make fun of me, make fun of my family. Make, I mean, you just hear it you just, and, and say mean things about you. And if you go back and you attack them, what happens? Nothing. 
It doesn't do anything. All it does is fuels the fire. And if we don't understand fueling the fire, we're not watching the political aspect of what's going on in America. They both pour gas on both sides of it, and they can't figure out why the other one's mad at each other. And I, and I don't know, how many of you had the privilege of watching the um, Supreme Court justice go through the, the grinding he went through? And you could just tell, they didn't even have to put who they were, I could tell what side they were on by just the questions they were asking and their demeanor. We've got to guard our mouth. I'm going to give you some verses and write these verses down. And I want you to see these. Um, Proverbs chapter 18, here is David's son that writes this. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 6 through 8 says this. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. I don't know if you can understand the interpretation there. But I've, I know some parents, when they've spanked their children, their children goes, that doesn't hurt. You know what that causes? More strokes because they can't keep their mouth quiet. And if I were to take a poll in here, there's probably people in this room that's done that to their mother or father. And I, you don't think this through. And a couple times I told my mom that. That didn't really hurt. And then she can grab other objects that hurt, and then she can also do that and then say, wait till your dad gets home. And I'll be frankly honest with you, I really wasn't waiting for him. I didn't really want him to come home. I wanted him to like go visit one of his friends and come back in about a week or something because when he'd come home, I would try to butter my mom up and say, you know, mom, I really didn't mean that. And you know what? They would always give me a hug and then all of a sudden they'd say, I need to talk with you. And I knew what that meant. They were talking about me. And it's because of this verse. I would say things and then I would get responses for it. The Bible also says in the next verse, it says, a fool's mouth is a destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. We've got to watch what we say. So when you go to difficult times, don't just guard your mouth. Guard, your, guard what you say. The Bible says in the next verse, it says the words of a talebearer are his wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. These, these things that you say and the words you say, David understood that. He says, listen, I'm going to protect this, and I'm not going to say it. I'm going to be quiet, and I'm just going to get through this. God and I, we're going to get through this. It's going to be a difficult time because you've got to look at David's situation. He was anointed king. And now the, the king that was the bad king was chasing him. And he said, now listen, I, can, I, I should just assault Saul with language and everything. That's not what he ever did. That's why he, he was David and Saul was Saul. At any point, there's a book that my favorite book, The Tale of Three Kings, you need to read it. If you, if you have issues with doing things and saying things to people that you shouldn't do, that book deals with that. And, and in the book it says, at any point, David could be Saul. But at no point, Saul could be David. Because David was a man after God's own heart, and he was guided by principle. If you go down a few more verses in Proverbs chapter 18, here's probably the most powerful verse in the, in, in about the mouth. But we're going to go to verse number 20. It says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. But the most powerful verse is the next verse when it talks about mouth. And here it is. It's verse number 21. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Man, you, you can say things that can destroy people. And we'll say things in a heated moment that we can't ever take back. I can't tell you how many times I've counseled with people and, and they're going through a passing of someone. And they always say the same thing. I wish the last thing I said wasn't what I said. And they can't take it back. And the devil uses that to discourage us. But if you protect what you're saying and guard your mouth, it's a different story. But in this, we've got to guard our mouth. 
Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Do you realize that you could say something to hurt somebody, and you can, and you can also say something to encourage people? I like this verse. Psalm 71.8 says this, Let my mouth be filled with praise and with, the honor, and with thy honor all the day. Another David psalm. He says, listen, I'm just going to fill my mouth with praise. You ever met somebody that's happy all the time? Do you really think they stay happy all the time? You don't think they have any problems? No, they've made a choice to do what's right. They're guarding their mouth. So the first thing when it comes to um, passing through difficult times, guard your mouth. The second one is go to prayer. If you guard your mouth, you'll have more time to pray. And go, look at these verses. Go to Psalm 17 again and look at verse number 6. It says, I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me and hear my speech. He's saying, listen, I'm going through all these things, and I need to share them with you. Now, the aspect of this is that God already knows what you're going through. He just needs to hear it from you. And when he hears it from you, he'll help you in many ways. He needs to see that you need him. Go to verse number 1. He talks about the same thing. Verse number one says this. It says, Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my ear that goeth not out of feigned lips. He's saying, listen, I need you to listen to me. So when you go through a difficult problem, a difficult time, keep your mouth quiet and pray. Pray the Lord. Talking to pe about people will not help you. It won't. If I talk about people, it's not going to make me feel better. The, the, what's going to happen is when I see them next, I'm going to go, uh-oh, I hope they didn't find out what I said because we're not guarding what we say. And it does get back to people. Have you ever heard something that you, you've done and you go, I didn't do that, and then it was because someone said you did it? Am I the only one that does that? Man, that preacher, he's mean. He did this, he did that. Okay, you're not understanding that? Okay, are you human in here, okay? I'm telling you, if you're a person, that happens to you. And, and David's saying, listen, I am not going to say anything. I'm going to guard what I said, and I'm going to talk to God because God's the only one who can change things. Either we're going to believe it or we're not going to believe it. So the, the third one is, the second one is go to prayer. The third one is this, determine to do right. Wow. Go to verse number five. It says, hold up my goings in thy path that my footsteps slip not. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of falling on a slick aspect of it, of, of, of on the floor. Have you ever, how many of you ever done that? I know my wife was, was you were pregnant with Meredith when you, when you were walking out to your car, weren't you? And you were holding Megan, and she fell. And she was on, and she was, how far along, how far pregnant were you when you, when you did that? About six months. She couldn't get up. She had to have someone help her up, and she's holding a child at the same time. And the, and the lady, I think, walked up to her and said, well, how, where were you coming from? And the car was like right there. And she said, it just came from right there. So she didn't get very far and she fell. You know, there's something about that falling. You feel your adrenaline kick in when you're about ready to fall and, and you've landed and you go, okay, the first thing that I do when I fall is I look to see if anybody saw me do it. And then I get up and I, ex I assess what's going on in my life. Here it's saying you need to have a firm foundation, and how do you have that? You determine to do what's right in verse number five. No matter what anybody else does, you don't have to do what they're doing. It's what I call the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego effect. Everybody else was bowing down when it was easy to bow down, and they stood up. And I love what they said to Nebuchadnezzar. They looked at him in, in, in my 
um, words. They said, basically, I'm going to serve God and either I will live through this or I will die through it, but I'm still going to serve God. And little did they know when they said that they were going to walk through a fiery furnace and stand on solid ground, there was a fourth man in the fire with them. So we've got to get back to understanding. Guard your mouth. Watch what you say. That's what a police officer would say to you. Your words will be counted against you, right? And it says, go to prayer. Talk to God. Verse 6 and verse 1. And it says, determine to do right. We keep evil out by doing right. We keep evil out by doing right. There is a, um, I think there's a church up in Colonial Heights that does it, and it's called um, RU. It's called Reformers Unanimous. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of, uh, of looking at that, but it's an it's a, um, organization, and it's, it's a, a, a group that do, does this. They'll come in and show you your church how to do it. But they deal with addictions, very heavy addictions. And we used to have it at our last church, and I mean, you're talking about all different types of addictions. We know the obvious ones. We know the, the drugs, alcohol, pornography. But there's also ones about playing video games and other things that you get into. Well, the, the premise of them, if you ever go to an RU meeting, you know what day it's on? It's on a Friday night. You know why they do that? Because the alcoholics and drug addicts have just got all their money for that week. And they think if they can just control them for that one night, they've got a better chance of doing what's right because the next day after Saturday is Sunday and maybe they'll think about God about it. And the whole premise of that, if you ever see an RU meeting, it's going to be on a Friday night because it's always trying to get people to realize they need to do right and they need to stay out of evil. And so the, the, the third one is determined to do right. And then the most obvious one is found in verse number 15. It says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. If you look at this, this is talking about looking to Jesus. See, we've got to guard our mouth because we don't have to give everybody our opinion, right? Does everybody need to know your opinion? No. You know, you know I, can, I can say something and I know my wife probably would not agree with me. And I can look at her and I can see that she doesn't agree with me if I say it. How many of you have ever been there? You don't have to say a single word. You can maybe even think it. And she's giving me the look. And so I need to go, okay, I shouldn't say anything. i got to guard my mouth. And then when I get into difficult problems, I've got to guard my mouth. I've got to go to the Lord. I've got to go to prayer. I've got to talk to Him. He will help me through a situation. He'll help me through a difficult situation. God is a God that will help you. And then determine to do right no matter what, no matter what other, everybody else does. We don't have to do what everybody else does. We need to do what God wants us to do. And sometimes that's very difficult. But even though it's difficult, it's worth doing. How many times do you think David wanted to slam Saul? How many times do you think David wanted to throw that javelin back at Saul? How many times do you think David wanted to go out and kill Saul? There's only so much a man can take. But why didn't he? Because he was doing all these things. Remember when they would say things about Saul? He would never participate in them. Remember what happened to Absalom and what some, some people said to him? That was his own son. We've got to guard our mouth. We've got to go to prayer. We've got to determine to do right. And then we've got to look to Jesus. In verse 15, it says, As for me, I will, I, I will behold thy face in righteousness. And righteousness only comes from God and God alone. So he says in this, in this chapter, he says, Listen, you've got to look to Jesus for your answers. You've got, to, you've got to face him and understand in a difficult situation, 
in a difficult problem, he is your answer. Isn't he? I mean, you're talking about the creator. You're talking about the man, the, the, the God that knows everything, and he knows how to get you out. How many times have you went through a difficult thing and you thought, man, if I'd have just done what was right, it would have been a lot easier. You know when difficult things get harder is when you step in the way. Here, here's a situation that David's been anointed. He's got Saul chasing him. He knows he's going to be king, and yet he can't be king until Saul goes off the scene. And coupled with the fact that Saul's son is his best friend. I mean, you just look at it. It's a, it's a, a, a situation that is devastating to David. And so he has to basically give it over to the Lord and say, I'm going to just look at you and I want to follow what, you're, what you want me to do. I shall be satisfied. What does that mean? You've got everything that you need if you're doing this. And look at the next part. It says, when I awake with thy likeness. Sometimes we just got to take a break and say, okay, I've got to do this the right way. So what we do sometimes is, is we look at the solution. We got to look at the solution. What's the solution? It's Jesus. But you know what we do? We look at the problem, right? How many of you ever looked at a problem in your life and you go, I just, there's no way I can get out of this. I mean, there's just no way I can get out of this thing. I, I, I'm looking at this and going, oh, this is a rough situation. I don't know how I'm going to do it. You know what I found out to do? Take one step at a time. You know, I heard one, one person say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You can't eat them at the whole, whole time, but you can eat one bite at a time. And you just got to work your way through it. And, and that's what the Lord's telling you. This is what David's saying to you. He's saying, look to Jesus and look to the Lord. Look at the answer. Don't look at the problem. Have you ever caught yourself looking at problems? <laughs> When you look at problems, what happens? You feel like your spirit goes up when you look at problems? And I'm not saying you have to be smiling all the time. How many of you have problems in your life right now? Raise your hand. Everybody in this room probably does. If you don't, I'll loan you some, okay? And when you have problems, guess what? God is trying to teach you something, just like I said this morning. He is trying to teach you. He is your salvation. He is the one that's going to bring you through it. But so often we don't learn it and he, does it has, he has to do it again. And David, David loved Jonathan and he couldn't spend time with him. David loved Absalom, although he was treated, he, Absalom treated him wrong. And I think down deep, I think David really had a respect for who Saul was. He respected the office of who Saul was because he knew that he would have that office later. And you know why? He probably was thinking, I want people to treat me this way. And if I go at him that way and I go at him the wrong way, guess what? I'll reap what I sow. So there's difficult problems in your life. You've got to guard your mouth. Watch what you say. Go to prayer. Talk to the Lord. Determine to do right. Even in the midst of a problem, Look to Jesus and go to verse number 13. And you got to see this when we, when we look at it. It says, Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. You've got to trust God to intervene. There's sometimes you'll get in a situation, the only way you can get out is if God takes care of it. And he is, if you believe that God is your personal Savior, he is concerned about your personal problems. 
He doesn't leave you hanging and say, okay, I'm not going to help you through this situation. There are times when you have to pay the penalty for what you've done. I used to talk to teenagers and I would say, you know, God is a God of forgiveness, right? But you can't jump from a 15-story building and when you get 10 floors down, say, I'm sorry for jumping and everything's okay. There's a penalty when you get those 10 floors all the way down. You're going to have to pay the penalty for what you did. But when it comes to difficult times, David is sitting here and Saul is chasing him all over. He never has time to even rest. When he rests, he's resting with guys that are convicts and not trustworthy people. But these guys, after David's heart, and they saw how David was, and they saw that he did this, they would fight for him and die for him. And he was not like them, and they knew that. He was a man after God's own heart. And here, when you have difficult problems, those five things are what you need to do. You need to guard your mouth. You need to go to prayer. You need to determine to do right. You need to look to Jesus. And you need to trust God to intervene, and he will. He'll take care of you. Have you ever been in a situation when it's all said and done and then you reflect on how everything worked out, you see God in everything? You just sit back and go, yeah, he took care of this, took care of that, took care of that, took care of that. And sometimes God does things ways that we would never do, right? And so we need to be thankful for that. So I'm going to talk to you now. Let's go to verse, chapter, chapter 18. The first part was passing through difficult times. The next part is how to stay on the winning side. And it's just three basic things. And you say, well, what? Well, this is so easy because as you look at it, go to verse number one in Psalm 18. If you look above it, I don't know if your Bible says this, the chief musician, the Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of, of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul, and he said. Now, I want to tell you, this is a good day for David. I mean, it doesn't just say that Saul was not chasing him. It said that he didn't have any enemies chasing him. If you watch everybody in the Bible that's worth their weight as a Christian or someone that followed God, they always had difficulties, right? Did Elijah have difficulties? Did Daniel have difficulties? Noah Joe's, I mean, tell me one person that everything's coming up roses with no thorns. Everybody in the Bible that was worth their weight in something, they went through something and they came out on the other side better. And here we're going to talk about the winning side and there's just three small points and I want you to see this. Verse number one says this, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. David says, listen, the first thing to stay on the winning side is love the Lord. Because if you have your right relationship with him this way, you're going to have a right relationship this way. It works out. You can't have a right relationship with God and have a wrong relationship with people. What about your enemies? So, you know what? Love the Lord. And the Bible talks about what does Jesus tell his disciples. you got to love your enemies. You will never be able to love your enemies if you don't love the Lord. You've got to have that relationship with him that everything points back to him. You say, well, that's not easy. I never said it was easy. It's not easy for me. When people attack me, you know what I want to do? I want to attack back. I, we didn't ever play cowboys and cowboys. We played cowboys and Indians, amen? When the cowboys attack the Indians, the Indian attacks the cowboys. You know, we don't go, okay, I, I never understood this. I watched these sports events, and these guys love each other from opposite teams. I was never like that. I grew up in the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson era, and I just watched a video about them that Larry Bird refused to shake his hand before games even after they met each other. And he made the statement, he said, 
I'm not going to shake a person's hand that I'm going to play against, and I don't want to be his buddy. I don't want to go out and run around with him. But, you know, in, in, in our life, we don't understand loving our enemies because it's so easy to hate our enemies, right? Me and Thomas are the only ones that agree with that. I mean, when someone does you wrong, what do you want to do? Attack, attack, attack. And what do you want to do? You want to attack worse than they attacked you. But David, he's just got done with all this mess in his life, and he says, listen, I'm on the winning side. I've crossed over. I don't have these guys fighting against me anymore. Saul is, is no longer there to do this. And this was just a, a very tranquil time for him. But it was going to get worse again. You say, well, did I come here to get discouraged? No. Okay, you didn't. The first thing you need to do through situations is just love the Lord. Have your relationship with Him the right way. Talk to Him. Read the Bible. Boy, these are simple, aren't they? Talk to Him. Read the Bible. And when you read the Bible, do what the Bible says. It's an instruction manual to tell you what to do. Okay, how many of you believe life and death are in the power of the tongue? Do you live it? Well, I understand sometimes I've said the death side of it and, and told people what I thought. Is that what God wants you to do? God wants you to follow His Word and do His Word. Have that re right relationship with Him. It's as simple as just reading your Bible. Okay. How many times have you ever tried to read your Bible and then distraction after distraction after distraction happen? I get telemarketers calling me. They keep calling me for a, a, a college loan that I don't even have. We will help you with your college loans. I have probably got 200 phone calls in the last three months about my college loan. Apparently someone has taken my name and got a college loan out. No, they haven't done that. They're just calling me telemarketers and they act like they know me. I have no idea who they are. But you're always going to have problems in your life, right? You're going to have people, but when you start trying to read your Bible, what happens? Distraction after distraction after distraction. Why is that? When you sit down and watch TV, do you have as many distractions as if you wanted to read your Bible? I would say not. Right? I mean, we can watch... We can watch three hours of television without any distractions, but when we get up there to read our Bible, the devil does everything he can to destroy that relationship. We've got to understand that God wants us. For on the winning side, you've got to love the Lord. And go to verse number 6. We'll get the second one. Verse number 6 in chapter 18 says this. It says, It is in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even unto his ears. The, fir the first one is love the Lord. The second one is cry unto the Lord. Just talk to the Lord. Look what, read, read this verse. It says, In my distress... When my kids were growing up, when they had problems, you know what? I wanted to listen to what they said. And if I just said, listen, you're only 10 years old. I don't really care. Get over it. Build a bridge and go forward. Do you think they'd want to come back and talk to me again? In my distress, he says, listen, I've got this, all this situation. And he goes, I don't know how to handle it. I cried into my God. Now, it didn't say I went out and asked my peers. You want to stay on the winning side? Get on the winning side with God. When you work with young people, young people figure out young people right off the bat. If one young per person has a bad attitude, you know who they're going to go ask advice for, from? A 
another person's got a bad attitude. And they don't wear little necklaces that say, I've got a bad attitude. They just know who they are by the way they look. I, I, I've shared this with you before, but we had one girl that was, a, she was doing what's wrong and we were trying to get her to do what's right. And she went on a trip and we invited her and I knew all eyes were on her. I told I had two busloads of kids and I said, listen, you got to keep an eye on her. She happened to be in my bus. We stopped one time because one girl had to go to the restroom because before we got on the trip, she drank a big gulp and she said, I got to go to the bathroom about 30 minutes down. And then when we got, she got in, went to the restroom, got another big gulp, brought it out. I grabbed the big gulp, threw it out the window and we kept going. Amen because I know how this system works. But when she was going in, she met a guy that she had never met before, and she asked him to buy something that she, she shouldn't have bought. He wasn't wearing a necklace that said, hey, I'm the bad guy, asked me. But out of all that bus, Lee, he's the only one that would have bought it for her. She knew it. I don't know how she knew it, but she knew it. But when we get in a situation with this, We've got to understand when we're in distress, call upon the name of the Lord. He's the one that's going to help you. He's the one that will calm you. He's the one that will help you through your situation. He's the one that will give you peace that passes all understanding. Oh, but I got to call my friends and ask them. I got to get on Facebook. And I watch some people on Facebook. I'm like, I used to, I don't anymore. But I'm thinking, why are you asking their advice and why are you taking their advice? People do really dumb things. The Bible tells us in verse number six that when in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God and he heard my voice. And that's a great thing, that God hears your voice. So being on the, staying on the winning side, love the Lord. The second one is crying to the Lord. And the third one, go to verse number 30 in chapter 18. In Psalm 18, it says this, um, as for God, his way is perfect. How many of you believe that? How many times you ever strayed off on your own way and then God had to bring you back? I, I will be honest with you. When I was driving that van yesterday and I know how my GPS works. If I get off mark, and it tries to recalculate, when you're in the mountains of North Carolina, you will not find your way back. And that thing, if you were watching, some people were watching it from the front of my bus, it was just, Durr. and thank God for Virginia. I said, Virginia, get on your phone and look this up. And I was driving blind. I had no idea where we were going. We just happened to stop. And where we stopped is the road we needed to turn at. And I'm sitting there going, and, and, and I'm thinking totally different than everybody else. Everybody else is just, da, 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 da. and you know what was going to happen if I didn't find my way? Did you see what Pastor Wagner did? He got us lost in the woods. I could just see him. I, I, I know that would happen because there was a young lady that was sitting on my back, on my right side that would have told everybody. She was sitting with Virginia. I'm not going to tell you her name. She would have told everybody. Peggy. Okay. Anyway. In my mind, I am, my heart race is going high because I don't know where I'm at. I'm responsible for these, these people in this bus. And that thing is just recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. It's never coming back up. And we stop the bus, and I'm asking Daniel. He's sitting in the road asking. I'm asking him questions. And Lee, we're lost as a goose in a snowstorm. And I have no idea what to do. And then Thomas is in the back and he says, just turn down that road. I've been here many times. 
And as I drove down that road, I thought, I hope he knows what he's talking about. Because I am, me and Thomas are the ones that are going to get nailed for this. You know, sometimes we trust in things that we shouldn't trust in. That GPS, when I needed it the most, I mean, it didn't break down when we're driving down 81. It breaks down when we're in the middle of nowhere. And I have AT&T, and it does not do well in the mountains. And then I've got Daniel following me. Where he leads me, I will follow. And we've got, we got 14 other people going the wrong direction. And Daniel's, da dun da dun you know, he's driving back there. And I had no idea. I, had, I honestly had no idea where we were at. I had no direction. And I'm sitting there going, when is this thing going to come on? It never came on until we got close to it. But I had no idea. I thought, we are going out of the way. I don't know. I've got to get back to church. Church is tomorrow. I don't want to be driving around looking for this place. And verse number 30, it says this. It says, as for, it says, as for God, His way is perfect. You know what? He never is recalculating. He's never doing that because His way is always perfect. You'll never understand what it is until you're in charge of a group. And then when you're in charge of that group, everything falls on you. And all I could see was that thing going like this. And sometimes in my life, I feel like sometimes things are just going like this. Recalculating, 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 not going to know what's going to go on. And, and I was praying to an inanimate object to work for me. But meanwhile, my God is perfect. The Bible says this, it says, as for God, His way is perfect. Keep reading in that same verse, it says, the word of the Lord is what? Tried. It's not a novice word, it's been tried. It's been tried by Abraham, it's been tried by Isaac, it's been tried by Noah, it's been tried by Joseph, it's been tried by Daniel, it's been tried by Paul, it's been tried by Jonathan, it's been tried by John, it's been tried by Peter, it's been, all these people have tried this word. David knew that. He says, listen, your way is perfect. My way, if, if you truly think that David never thought about attacking Saul, you're not looking at David in the right heart. Because I'm sure he thought about it. But you know what? His relationship with God changed that all around. He couldn't attack him. Because David was a man after God's own heart. He says, listen, it's been tried. His, your way is perfect, it's been tried. And look at the last part, it says this, it says, He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. That is His safety. It's their safety in Him. So when you look at the last one, it's trusting in the Lord. You know the, the problem that I have with um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? I don't have a problem, Lee, trusting, trusting the Lord with all that heart. I don't have a problem with that. And I really don't have a problem in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct the path. You know what I have a problem with? is that little part that's after trust in the Lord with all in heart. It's this. And lean not unto thine own understanding. That's the problem that I have. Because you know what? I like to figure things out. I like to figure out what people are going to do. I like to figure out how events are going to happen. I want to know what's going on next. And when I'm driving blind in a van in the middle of North Carolina, it concerned me. And people were joking with me, and I was joking back with them, but down deep I was going, oh my word, where are we going to end up at? 
But aren't you thankful that you can just trust in Him? And you know what? You stay, you love the Lord, you call upon Him, and you trust in Him. You know what you're going to be? You're going to be on the winning side. When problems come, you're going to be okay. I know I talk about problems because people have problems. You have problems. You've got to figure them out. And how do you get through those problems? You've got to look to the Savior. The Savior's not, He's there to help you. He's there to direct you. He's there to show you. And how do you do that? You talk with Him. You read His Word. And you follow what His Word says. It's just that easy. But yet it's that difficult. Do you believe that God wants the best for you? I do. I mean, I read, I read some of the things that the Koran says. Their God doesn't have the best interest in their life. He doesn't. And I know he's not a God, but their God that they think is a God doesn't have the best interest in for them. My God has the best interest for me. But the best interest is not always the easiest way. I look at my wife and I see that. Because if I would have listened to when I wanted to date her, her dad said no. And he didn't tell me when he was going to let me date her. And then when I wanted to marry her, he didn't tell me when he was going to tell me what happened. He never answered me when I went to ask him. He said, I'll get back with you. I walked out of that meeting going, he never really didn't tell me when he was going to get back with me. I don't know how long it was. He's probably still praying about it right now, but I don't, know, I don't know how long of a period it was for me asking and him telling me. But you know what? I look back now, and those were some hard times going, what in the world's going on? I never did that with my own kids. When I knew that they were going to get married to somebody and I thought it was the right person, I was never going to play that card. And, and I have respect for her dad, don't get me wrong. But that's just not how he's wired. He wanted to make sure everything was okay. I knew everything was okay because I had prayed for my daughters many times that they would marry the right person. So when that comes along, you can look at the person and say, I've been praying for you for many years. You're going to have issues in your life. You just need to love the Lord. You need, you need to talk to Him. Call upon His name and trust in Him. And, and young people in here, if you're under the age of 30, you better, if you get this now, you will do better than I ever did. It's called scars, and everybody has them. When God has to teach us the right way, and He has to teach us the right way, and He has to teach us the right way, because we're all going to make mistakes, what are you going to do in those difficult times? And how are you going to stay on the winning side? God has a plan. Psalm, 1, Psalm 17 and Psalm 18 tell you how to get through those. And it was a time in David's life when he needed God the most with every head bowed and every eye closed. For sake of review, as you've got your head bowed, I just want you to listen to these points again. When you're passing through difficult times, guard your mouth. Guard what you say doesn't matter that you have to tell everybody what you think and tell everybody what your opinion is. Guard your mouth. Go to prayer. 
And if you guard your mouth and go to prayer, you're, you're going the right direction. Determined to do right, no matter what anybody else does. Look to the Lord. Look to Jesus. And trust God to intervene. And then to stay on that winning side, here's what you've got to do. You've got to love the Lord. Love Him with your whole heart. Seek Him. Seek Him. And cry unto Him when you have issues. There's nothing wrong with crying out to the Lord and trusting in the Lord at the very end. You know, one thing I didn't mention this morning is, as your head's bowed and eyes closed, Jesus was a man full of compassion. Shortest book in the Bible, shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five. 35. That is the two words where it says Jesus wept. And if you study that out, that is the chapter that we looked at this morning. He is not crying over Lazarus. He is crying with compassion over the people that love Lazarus because he felt their sorrow. You know, there's nothing wrong with crying unto the Lord and there's nothing wrong with trusting with your whole heart. What are you doing with him? Are you staying on the winning side? Things seem to get you down. There's difficult times in your life that seem to get you down. God wants you to live on the up. Never promise you that it's going to be perfect, but I can tell you this, that God's got, a, God's got a perfect will for your life. But you've got to seek it.